This episode of Popcorn Poops is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for a 30-day trial of their audiobook subscription service. When you sign up, you'll even receive a free audiobook that's yours to keep whether or not you continue with Audible after your trial has expired. That's audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for your free audiobook. We are the Popcorn Poops. Welcome to Popcorn Poops, the best married couple movie podcast slash commentary track hybrid audio program on the internet. My name is Jessica, and with me, as always, is my husband, Dustin. Yo, what's poppin'? How you doing, Dustin? Doing very well. Feeling feeling kind of sad that uh, that I have to uh, correct myself, because I'm always right. Oh, you, right. You know, yeah. I mean, being married to me... I definitely know that... I'm always... Yes, oh, careful. I can't careful. even say it. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> last, I have a correction from last week's show uh, where we covered Blue Velvet. I insinuated that Dennis Hopper had never been in a movie that we've covered on the show before, and that's simply not true. Who could forget his stellar, a really Oscar-worthy performance in Super Mario Brothers? Right, yeah. So I, I just want you to did apologize. did a major injustice. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just want to apologize to Mr. Dennis Hopper. Rest in peace. Uh, good night, sweet prince. And... Um, We'll never forget you or your wonderful performance in Blue. Eh. Super, Super Mario, Mario Brothers. Mostly Super Mostly. Mario Brothers. As always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. Follow us on Twitter at popcornpoops or individually. I'm at J. Casper Kramer. And I'm at Dusty Cram Cram. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can also check out the merchandise shop. It's a place where you can buy merchandise. Branded with our thing. So if you want to show your poop pride, only then... n- only true pooplings should uh, should go to the shop and buy things. If you're not a true poopling, don't bother. If you'd rather just give us money, that's also an option. You can use the donut button <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. Really you can go to our website, it. hit that donut button. Uh, we'd also uh, like to uh, inform you that we have started a Twitch page, a Twitch channel. You can go to twitch.tv slash thepixelpoops, where we will be doing some live streaming and uh, and maybe some other fun stuff. We're not quite sure yet, but that's uh, go over there and follow us. Turn on notifications, and you will know when we go live, and that should be fun. Every month we have a new monthly theme, and this month has been hashtag nineteen eighty six month in honor of my birthday. In honor of your thirtieth birthday, okay. this episode's movie is arguably the best movie of the month, <laughs> and it is Stephen Herrick's Critters. Uh-huh. If you're going to sync the movie with us, pause as soon as the title card reading "New Line Cinemas Presents" completely fades to black. Dustin would be reading us a review on iTunes or Stitcher while you're doing that, except I don't think we have one, do there we? There isn't one. Oh. And I couldn't be sadder about it. Poopling. Dear Poopling. True believer, if you will. It is up to you each week to make sure that we have a review on iTunes or Stitcher to read on the podcast. Now, we encourage honesty, so that, that could be... A bad review. If you think that we do a bad job, I guess you've got no choice then. You're you're stuck in a situation. Stuck between that proverbial rock. But I'm not sure that, why you're regularly listening if you think we do a really bad job. That's I mean, that's a fair point. That is a that is a <laughs> very very good point counterpoint, as I like to say occasionally. Uh, but yeah, if if you'd like to leave us a But we do appreciate honesty, even though we prefer five stars. Do we prefer five stars over honesty? Oh, it's a tough call. Mm, it is a tough it's call. It's a tough call. It Prop- is. Mm, I really like five stars. We're going to leave it up to the pooplings' discretion. True. Okay? 
So if you'd like to leave us a rating and review, we'd really appreciate that. Since we don't have a review, we're just going to go for it here. It's time to start the movie. Sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. And we're off. You excited about this? I'm really excited about this, actually. So we're watching Critters, which is um, a pretty fun movie. What's shocking to me about this movie is that I didn't find it until six months ago. Something like that. (laughs) Yep. That's, uh, and that's incredible (laughs) that, that, that we, we took this long to get to this movie and I hadn't seen it before. Like, of course we've done, and we're going to be talking about gremlins, uh, and we're going to be comparing it to the little creature movies of the 80s that Gremlins argue, arguably started the trend of. Did you did you look up a list of the ones that came out? I have some in my head. No, I didn't okay. look it up. Because there was Gremlins and there was Critters and there was, uh, what's the, Ghoulies? Ghoulies, Spookies. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Spookies is little creatures necessarily, but there I, were a I've handful. Spookies? I don't know if I've seen, I mix them all up. Anyways, I thought for a long time that I had seen Critters. I was 100% sure that I had seen Critters. What were you mixing it up with? <sighs> Maybe Ghoulies. Probably Ghoulies. Probably Ghoulies, which is awful. Ghoulies oh, it's is, so bad. <laughs> Ghoulies is the kind of bad where it, like, it's like, it's funny at first, especially if you're drinking, but then after a while you're just like, I want it to be over now. I'm done. Yep. Now. It's not fun. Like, it's not after a It's fun at first. Right. At first. But then. Then, unless you're really drunk and you have a lot of people with you. Because it ends up just being like this cult movie. I don't know. It's, I don't know why in my head I conflate it with House of the Devil because they're totally different movies. House of the Devil? It, I know. It's weird. What? I, I, I conflate them because my disappointment comes from the same thing. What are you talking about? My disappointment comes from the fact that it starts out as a fun movie and ends up just being kind of a boring cult movie. House of the Devil being the one that was made, what, like a decade or so ago? Less than, but yeah, but looks like an 80s movie. Looks like a 70s, 80s movie. Also has Dee Wallace in it, like this film. I like, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I gotta be careful about what I say, but I remember liking that movie a lot. A lot of people really liked it, and I like a lot of it. Okay, well, we'll have to talk about this later. Right now, what we need to talk about is how this is a sci-fi movie. Oh, yeah. First and foremost, Critters is a science fiction film. Look at these fucking aliens. Look at these glow-in-the-dark face masks. They have glow-in-the-dark. It looks like something you would buy in the 90s at, like, Party Supply. (laughs) Party City. (laughs) Go to Party City to get my Halloween costume. Um, I spent $40 on a Darth Maul mask in, like, 1998 (laughs) or 1999. You You mean your parents spent $40 on a Darth Maul mask? Sure, yeah. (laughs) There's no I mean, sure, yeah, about six it. Six of one, half a dozen of the other one, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you this didn't is, make that choice. Yeah, this is a movie that tells you right from the get-go that it's fucking going for it. Like, the first thing we see is a title card that says, Prison Asteroid Sector 17 Maximum Security. And it's a, fu- it's a fucking asteroid prison. Yeah. And we get this whole setup with, you know, these uh, little creatures they're transporting across space, like escape and get in a little escape ship. And and they have a stupid name for them. They call them, they call them Crichtons. Crites. Yeah, Crites for short. 
Um, it would be awesome if they were Crichtons, like little Michael Crichtons. Just well, they ti- say Crichton, oh, like you mean like yeah, they like, look like, like small. They, they look like Michael, Michael Crichton, Crichton, just a bunch of little Michael Crichtons running around saying things like, this is science, isn't it? <laughs> you need to back up a little bit right oh, now. Okay, fine. Fine. We'll do a Michael Crichton month one, one no, month. I, and I'm that'll not, be the one that I'm like. I'm not defending the movies based off of his book. Well, some of them I am. Sure. I know you love Timeline. <laughs> the book. Okay. And by extension, the movie. <laughs> I never said that. Um, oh, I wanted to uh, draw attention to a, a, a cast uh, that just passed, a credit that just passed for the Chiodo Brothers Productions. Uh, that would be Stephen Charles and Edward Chiodo, who directed and produced Killer Clowns from Outer Space and did puppetry work on Ernest's Ernest Scared Stupid and Team America World Police, and they inspired the name of the hardcore band Chiodos, which I listened to in college. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. I mean, that's interesting yeah. what you just said. Yeah. People to come some, to this. But somebody. People listen to this podcast for that shit, for sure. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's it's a science fiction film. Oh, and look at the kid doing this this thing where he's wasn't he trying to like do yeah. the thermometer trick? So this kid is is uh, the kid in this movie. What's his character's name? Brad. Brad Brown. Uh, he is trying to fake sick, and he puts a glass thermometer underneath a, a faucet. And it's the second movie I know, and there could be more. Who knows? It's I'm the sure second, there are more. Second movie I know of in which D. Wallace, who we're seeing here, national treasure, wonderful woman. Oh, you're being specific. Plays a character whose son fakes being sick by heating up a thermometer. But this mm-hmm. character, this character actually must be smarter because when when she sees the thermometer, she's like, "106, shut the fuck up, you're going to school." And she doesn't say. Anything. But in uh, is it an ET? I thought, uh, yeah, yes, in it was in ET. That in she ET, did that. she mm-hmm. she lets him stay home. Like I said, she's also in House of the Devil. Um, there's some lines from this dad coming up right now, starting with the only thing I really don't like the "Did you wash my bowling shirt?" line. I, I don't know. It's you, a very. You said that hit you weird, and I don't. I mean, I, I always want to. I guess it instinctively respond with a fuck off. <laughs> right. No. No. I get that. Like, I, I guess it doesn't bother me as much because they set this. Up. Not that. Not that I. You know. Not that I'm saying that women are subservient to men or anything like that, but this is very much set up as like salt of the earth Americana, very traditional nuclear family. You know. Yeah, what I, I mean? get what you're saying. Um. The cat's name is Chewy. That's fantastic. Great the dad name for a is cat. that honey that he's putting into his coffee? Sure, why not? Or is it jam? Might be honey. Probably honey. I would say honey. Okay, yeah, looks like honey now. And he's drinking. He's. I never noticed that he's drinking coffee out, out of, of a, a mason, mason jar. jar. And they have a special thing with which he uses to funnel the coffee into the mason jar. Oh, he's doing like he's a uh, he's brewing the coffee into the jar and drinking it straight out, right? I don't know. I, I think he, uh, I think maybe, he probably is. Maybe. Maybe that's what he does. Anyways, um, and then he puts honey in it. I, have you ever met anyone who puts honey in their coffee? No, but he's, like I said, salt of the earth. He's hayseed dude. He's farmer. Middle um, America. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you just lost all our listeners. Oh, Thanks. I'm sorry. Please come back. I won't be Pauly Shore again. Um... 
<laughs> That's the line. What I was love. it? Oh, he says you, you missed miss, that bus. Go ahead. You missed that bus. I'm gonna skin you and hang your bones out to dry. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted. I did want to talk about that opening with the asteroids. You know, we got asteroid prisons. We got spaceships. We got weird-headed aliens. We got lasers. We got space bounty hunters. Be still, my heart. This right? movie, like right from the get-go, on um, this cast, we They've got, got cre- and the aliens like are look, up, I mean, like weird looking. Yeah, and, then, and the cast, like I feel like this movie gets off on a really great foot. We got D. Wallace from the mm-hmm. get-go. We've got M. Emmett Walsh here coming right off of uh, you know the the Coen Brothers' stunning debut, Blood Simple. We've got Lynn Shay, who is the great, like we've said before on the show, the great unsung scream queen, right? Uh, yeah, sister of Robert Shay, of, of, who is head of New Line Cinemas that, that produced this film. Um, I mean, you've got a lot of really good things going mm-hmm. for this movie right from the get-go. Uh, the title card comes up and has a little hint of the Thing title card kind of mm-hmm. going yeah, forward a little bit. Yeah, the way it bit. looks. Not quite as, as interesting as the Thing's title card, but um, still good nonetheless. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Chewy the Cat, MVP, Chewy the Cat. Right? We all love Chewy the Cat. We all love Chewy the Cat. (laughs) And then that opening scene there, the first scene where they're sitting down to dinner, and we get like the sense of like all the characters. We got the little boy who's trying to fake being sick by doing the thermometer trick, which is something we saw in E.T., so that kind of endears us to him automatically. And we got the dad who's spitting out one-liners saying things like, you'll hang the kid's bones out to dry and all that shit. It's really like, I feel like establishing that family dynamic from the outset is really a Spielbergian move. It's Mm -hmm. copying Spielberg really hard and I do love that family dynamic and I think that it reminds me of but is far more successful than the copying the, the copying of Spielberg by someone like Toby Hooper who we mentioned before we need to do this movie eventually because we know. brought it we up we talk about it all In, the time Invaders from Mars Invaders from Mars is a movie that I just think fails on just about every level and and the way in which it fails is so is so telling yeah yeah and um but anyway, yeah, that's a, that is a discussion for a different day. Um, but yeah, of course, Lynn Shea, M.M. Walsh. Um, and, you know, the things that they talk about, like the, the, the way that they set up these characters, it's like, holy shit, these are characters. Yeah. In case you were wondering, these are what characters look like. That's the thing. If, like. you haven't, if you haven't guessed it yet from the way we've been talking, um, the, the surprising thing about Critters is that it's actually a good movie. Yeah. Yes, and, it is. And I don't understand how, how like, at this point, I have seen so many horror movies from the 80s, so many of them, it, from the 80s specific, I mean, so many horror movies in general, but from the 80s specifically, because I seek them out. It, the 80s are, and, and it's got, you've got to hit the right range, like, it's got to, if it's too close to early 80s, then typically it's a little too 70s for me, so. Sure, you, you ma- you've maintained that, like, the, the first be- like the three be- years, yeah, the first two or three years of a decade is basically just the last yeah, decade it is. as far yeah. as like media is concerned, and well, pop culture in general, I think. Um, yeah. And so, and so, like early '80s for me doesn't usually quite do it. It feels a little '70s, but but when you hit like '83, '84 on all the way through, and even a bit into the very early '90s, then I'm just a sucker for that kind of horror. So I seek it out, and and I watch the worst of the worst. Um, but I am. It, I am always shocked when I come across a, a horror movie from the 80s that I haven't seen before at this point that's actually good. Yeah. And that's this movie. We didn't watch it for the first time until a 
few months ago. Well, it has kind of a reputation. It has a reputation similar to Ghoulies. Mm -hmm. As being like a knockoff Gremlins. Right, exactly. And, you know, not to bury the lead, but I mean, and, and we're not. This movie is superior to Gremlins. I think so. I really do. And if you've listened to our, we we did an episode on Gremlins uh, a couple years ago. Um, and I, you don't really like Gremlins that much. I, I actually do really like Gremlins. I don't. Still. I don't think Gremlins is very good. I think it has tonal issues. I think it wants to be one thing and then it tries to be another thing, and you know it can't reconcile being the kid, the Spielberg kids movie that. I mean, does Gremlins kind of have this? Wants to be, and then it's got like this, like it's I don't know. It's 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 torn between different levels of maturity and no gremlins does not have johnny steel johnny steel played by terrence Mann, just fucking tearing it look at that hair look at that hair and look at this face look at this we we have transforming we haven't seen a power mullet like that since a couple of weeks ago when we did labyrinth (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that transformation scene where like his skin melts off and then like the blood comes back and then the muscle and the sinew and the bone and all that stuff and kind of forms his new face. It's a very, and we, we praise practical effects constantly mm-hmm. on this show, yeah. but it's a great effect. It's a really great effect. And, uh, you know, just, uh, another notch in this movie's belt as far as, and there, there are problems with this movie and we're sure. going to talk about them. And one of them has to do with Johnny Steele, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of my problems. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest problem with the movie, the biggest overall problem is it just, it, it all feels very familiar. I feel like it would have felt very familiar even, uh, you know, back in 1986, mm. seeing it for the first time. Um, it relies on tropes a lot. And it doesn't do a whole lot to subvert tropes. There, there are a couple of moments where it subverts the tropes and the ideas that it's working with. I mean, even the kid right here. But it's how more is, than happy to just play with them. How though. is he? How is he bad? How is he the? How is he the bad kid? He's the bad kid because he makes stuff that he sure. blows up, sure. right? Like yep. that's it's a trope. So. Yep. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I have a note about that. We did talk about that. Again, during our Labyrinth episode where we talked about the difference between how girls and boys are portrayed when they uh, kind of um, are naughty or bad or um, have their head in the clouds or whatever, like that kind of thing, like can't focus on the and can't focus on the task at hand, can't do the right thing. And for girls, it's always portrayed as... uh, they're bubbly or they've got their head in the clouds or they're a bookworm and they can't focus on real life and they're lost in a fantasy world. Right. Like in Labyrinth. Like we, like we get in Labyrinth and you know, I kind of, I mentioned, uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, you Mm -hmm. know, she's kind of looked, looked down upon by the people in the town, but not necessarily the audience. But I think a lot of the times, a lot of times the audience is meant to feel that way and to, and then that character is always supposed to get her shit together by the end of the movie, by the end of the story. Right. Right. Yeah. And get her head out of the clouds and maybe possibly, Possibly reconcile like her love of fantastical escapism with the real world and start to become a responsible person. Right. It's different with boys though, because with boys, it tends to manifest itself as being creative but destructive. Right. Like with this kid and the slingshot and the fireworks, the homemade fireworks during Labyrinth. I mentioned the kid from the Babadook who makes mm-hmm. the homemade weapons and the stuff weapons, like that. Yeah. How does that always resolve itself in these movies? That aspect of the boy being naughty 
is not something that is to be reconciled. It always becomes this, useful. The, it becomes the thing that saves him. Exactly. Or it, his family or whatever. Having a girl having her head stuck in the clouds or being a bookworm or being, you know, lost in the fantastical and, and the escape her escapist nature. Uh, but I mean, usually it does help her do what she's doing. I mean, even in Labyrinth, like, she understands the world and she knows what's going on because yeah, she's read stories. Yeah, I, and I mean, I... I I could I could see that I don't know I, I feel like there's a, a, a I don't I feel like you have to read that into it a little bit though yes I agree no it's always directly the boys exactly. firecracker like in this I think movie the firecracker is gonna kill the aliens it's a one to one thing you know and and you know and that's not, oh um the gate oh yeah his rockets yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and uh, yeah I, and I think it's. I think with boys, a lot of times it's a one-to-one kind of thing where it's like if this, then this. And with girls, if you want to, if you want to read that into the labyrinth, I think you you certainly can. But I come away from that movie feeling like, you know, her hanging on to the fantastical is kind of shoehorned in at the end. And we did mm-hmm. talk about that. Yeah. So let's stop talking about labyrinth because we did a whole episode on that. <laughs> but um. Anyways, though, this is actually a good that movie. sweet ass boombox. Yeah, it is a pretty awesome boombox. I didn't get to see what that po- movie poster was I know. Every time for. I see it, I can't, I can't figure He's it out. He's got movie poster. He's got posters for the police and Bruce Springsteen in his room. He's got a very typical 80s, uh, they didn't say this back then, but tween room. <laughs> Chewy! Um, Chewy the cat looks like our cat May. It does look like May Chon. It does. And we we haven't talked about Don Opper, who plays uh, who Charlie? plays Charlie in this, who hasn't really had a, much of a career outside of the Gremlins movies. You mean Critters? I'm, I mean, fucking Critters. Yeah, I will do that again, for sure. Um, outside of the Critters movies. Uh, but but he, he's in all of them. He is. And he's a character that I didn't really care for in this movie. But by he, the second movie, I cared. By the second movie and the third movie and the fourth movie. I mean, like, the, th- the third movie's fucking terrible and the fourth movie you can pretty much write oh, off yeah. but so, at least they tried something different so but. we can we can talk about the series as a whole because we have seen uh, all of the critters films we have yes, yes. Um, something kind of the critters films. after we watched the first one like six months ago we decided we were like we gotta watch all of them. we had to watch all of them <laughs> so the order of how good they are i think goes one two four three, three. yeah Correct. Um, and that and objectively correct. Yes. Y- yeah. And and that's because one is just an actual. This is an actual good movie. And I'm really serious. If you haven't watched this, um, and you're a fan of 80s horror, then you are missing out, and you need to watch this movie because it's actually a good horror movie. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. It it's it's got that balance that I love so much that like the gate has where it's like the happy family Spielberg kind of setting, but things are really fucked up. Yeah. Like it, and that's the thing that I feel like this movie has over Gremlins is tone Mm -hmm. this movie finds a tone and it sticks with it and it and it's not it's not playing it safe either like i said this movie fucking goes for it and i think gremlins has that tone a bit but i think it does get it does get kind of confused because sometimes it gets serious it gets it does it It gets really serious and and then it gets really ridiculous at times the weird thing about gremlins is the most grotesque thing in gremlins is a story that phoebe cates recounts about her father getting stuck in a chimney and dying and and they're serious about it they play it serious i think i they play it serious but i think it might 
be a joke? I don't. I don't. I but, don't know. But again, the fact that we're having to debate this means that there are tonal problems with that movie. You know. Yeah, and then you really hate the scene in Gremlins where they're at the bar and all the Gremlins oh are like playing poker and stuff. There's a there's a horse playing scene in this movie with the critters, and it's handled so much better. So much more consistently with what we know of the critters as what kind of characters they are and the and level what of they can do. what they can do. And in fucking Gremlins, they're break dancing and playing poker and shit. In the third movie, um, the Critters franchise stoops to that level and has them destroy a kitchen where they... Yes. One of them drinks a bottle of bubbles and then I called it. Oh, you fucking called it. <laughs> I was like, someone's going to burp bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they did. Um, uh, uh, before he dies, I want to talk about little baby Billy Zane. Little baby Billy Zane, you're looking so precious. And our cat's trying to ruin the podcast. <laughs> she tried sc- to ruin it earlier. She too. tried to ruin it earlier by crawling all over the, the mixing board. So if there are weird things that you hear, that's our fucking dumb cat, as usual. As uh, usual. As usual. <laughs> uh, but little baby Billy Zane, he's looking real real uh, cute and precious in this movie. And he's got a little cute little ponytail. And he's got a cool car with a license plate that says, Too Great. I love when the dad, we missed it, but I love Presu- the line. Presu- I'm sorry, Too Great, presumably because So Cool was taken by that douche in Adventures in Babysitting. I, that's, that's all I have to say. That's okay. It. Go yeah, ahead. That's fine. Um, so Charlie... Uh, who is we have any we keep bouncing around not really talking but Charlie is the farmhand here and he's the town alcoholic and he's the town crazy person who believes in aliens yes Um, and and which is I mean that's a that's a trope right like the alcoholic guy who believes in aliens in the town sure we've got one in Independence Day I mean even if it isn't a specific trope it's played so confidently in this film that I believe that it would be <laughs> um I I love this though I love that the teenage girl is the one who wants to have sex one of the few times this movie actually subverts a trope that it's working with yeah, yeah. um because the rest of the time with the girl they kind of and I do love I, like there's little moments that I love little passing moments like Billy Zane at the dinner table you know telling Mrs. Brown uh I really loved the dinner. Honestly, it's one of the best I've ever had. Yeah, really, one of the best I've ever had. And the dad is like drinking from his, his mason jar, and he just kind of looks, looks at, at him. Looks at him over the jar. Gives him a side look like, are you fucking serious, dude? Oh, dude, you're not playing it very cool. Um, and there there are a few things in that scene. Um, I love the look the dad gives him. I also love the look. There's a moment where, what's oh, I just the teenager's saw, name? I just saw a wipe transition. wonder if they're... There's a little nod to Star Wars, maybe. Well, and I mean, look at this right here. Yeah. Like, that's not a Star Wars nod. Oh, yeah. Um, it's in space, isn't it? Well, there were some shots of the ship flying over yeah. before that were pretty... Star Destroyer-esque, yeah. Um, Got it. But anyways, uh, the teenage daughter, what's her name? Ooh, why'd, you, why'd, why'd you spring okay, it on well, me? Well, whatever. Anyways... Well, there, there's a shortcoming of the movie right there is the teenage daughter and the way she's treated. April... April. April. Oh, man. I wouldn't have guessed that either. And I've seen this movie like four times in the last six months. Yeah. So that's a problem, obviously. The little kid that played, I'm on IMDb, and the little kid that played Brad, Scott Grimes, grew up to be Louis C.K. What? (laughs) I'm going to show him to you right now. Right there. 
Oh, I guess so. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so when they're sitting at the table, the uh, please note, I can't finish a sentence here, but please note that the mom is seeing Johnny Steele on TV. Yes, Johnny Steele being a Double fictional take. rock star in this universe, played by Terrence Mann. Singing the same song Oh, we've heard repeatedly. this song. We've heard this song. Power. power the power of the night. The power, power of the, of of the, the night. night. Yeah. Is it something in your pants? Something like that. Man, Anyways. Don't want to fight. I mean, you almost get the whole song at one point. Yeah. Uh, you get most of the music video early on. But they're really driving this home that Johnny Steele is famous. As hell He's right now. He's on TV. He's he is a on big fire. personality. Yeah. Like. Um, yeah. They drive this home and the mom has seen him on TV. The little, the Brad, we saw him listen to Power of the Night on the radio. That's all we saw him do. Anyways, we'll come back to that later. I'm trying to tell you that at the dinner table while they were sitting there, um, it's my fault too. I interrupt myself. They're sitting at the dinner table together and the daughter, April, rubs her boyfriend's leg under the table with her hand. She gives him a little like, hmm, we gonna, yeah, you know what's coming mm-hmm. later. Um, and she does that and across the table, her mom, uh, her mom gives her this look and, <laughs> and it's the best because instead of being like a reproachful, like, oh, how dare you do, she gives her this look where she's like, girl, <laughs> I know what you're doing under the table. That's, that's okay, honey. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's this little smirk. And then the dad is totally clueless. There's another great moment when, you know, April and, and Billy Zane. Oh, as they walk out the door. You know, they quickly dismiss themselves because they've obviously got better things to do, sweatier things to do. And the father looks at, at and Dee he's Wallace. Trying, he's trying not to go, too. Right. The boyfriend. He's like, oh, like, are you oh, sure? Oh, really? I'm really, we still kind of hungry. <laughs> like, he's and real the, nervous about it. He's terrified of her dad. this girl wants to fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. That sidetracked me a little bit. Uh, the dad looks at Dee Wallace and says... Uh, have you talked to her he goes, about the way things are? Is that what he says? Have you, uh, you know, talked to her about the way things are? And just totally calm and collected, D. Wallace says, years ago. <laughs> and his, his his response is, again, it's good. Like, it's a great little exchange where he's like, years? Years? Really? Like, how, how far out of touch am I that I don't right. know this? Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Guess, Guess what? what that's called? Characters. That's that's called that's called characters. That's characters. That's character <laughs> development right there. Um and it's done well. And then we go back and here we are with crash landed spaceship. There was a again. whole thing about, you know, we had to establish that the parents weren't really cool with uh, Brad, you know, making his fireworks and being the destructive mm-hmm. little shit that he is. Uh, and the way we kind of come to that, or we, the way they make that, that come to a head really early on, uh, is uh, Charlie, who's kind of Brad's friend as well as uh, Yeah, I was trying hand, to talk about this. Go ahead. He breaks Brad's slingshot. And he swears that he can fix it, so he fixes it, and he tells Brad to get a, a, a tin can, and he puts it up, and as he's trying to shoot the tin can, he accidentally hits April in the ass. Mm-hmm. And Brad takes the fall for it, right? Because right. Which shows him Charlie, to be not actually a shit. He's actually a really good person. He's actually a really right. good boy, I would say. I get 
I get why as an audience we're supposed to accept that Brad would take the fall for it and Charlie would kind of stay quiet because we're also introduced to this this uh, element that Charlie being the alcoholic and the town you know loon uh, is kind of on thin ice as far as his job is concerned. That someone gave him this job as a favor. You get that feeling. Maybe it's the father, you know, the Brown family gave him this Someone's taking pity on him and trying to help him. There's this line where the father says, do you like this job? Do you like working here or something like that? And he's like, oh, yes, sir. And he's like, well, I need that carburetor fixed by the end of the day. And so he goes off and he fixes it. So you get that. But at the same time, it's hard for me to buy because it was an accident. Well, like it well, was totally an but accident. But my my thing that I don't understand, I think I think that if Brad were a good person, which I think he is, I think mm-hmm. I, I was I said he was a bad boy earlier, but he's not. He just makes bad. He makes like right, right. He's a naughty boy. Right, he's, he's naughty. Not a bad. Yeah. But anyways, he's a he has a very good heart, obviously, and he's a brave kid, and we're we we are shown all of that stuff throughout this film, um, and I think the thing he would do with the character that he is would be to not tell on Charlie. I think he would take the fall for it. Here's what I don't understand. What I don't understand is he never tells his parents it's an accident though. That's the part I don't understand. I think that still taking the fall for it is fine. Um, but when the dad's getting mad and stuff and he's like essentially grounded or whatever Mm -hmm. for it, I don't understand why at no point he's not like, look, I was trying to hit the can. I didn't mean to hit her with it. And he never says that. I mean, thinking like a kid, that's immediately where I would go. Hell yeah. So, but whatever, we're nitpicking about it. Um, Because there was a great line after it where, where he's saying, he's saying, uh, I don't know. He's trying to get out of what happened without saying it was an accident. But the dad says, this is not a democracy. That is a great line. <laughs> and, it, and it's a great line. Like all of these people, and this guy's a shithead, the guy we're looking at now, the deputy, but he's a shithead that is also a character. And right. Yeah. He's set up as calling in all hours of the night because he's third shift. He's, you know, working all night, driving around. And he around. uses his little code and stuff unnecessarily. He uses his radio to talk to Lynn Shea, who he's got a thing for, and he asks her out for donuts. He's like, when I get off in the morning, do you want to go get donuts and coffee? Every single night. And every single night she says, no, I've got to wash my hair. No, I've got to do this. No, I've got to do that. Or what, like, we're set up to believe this is what happens. Like, he, so. he gets like 90 second screen time tops. Right, and we know his character, and we and know it's like, not just at least that. that. Like it's that he's he's the kind of guy that is in this town that probably has two, maybe three police officers, and and he's using codes and stuff when he calls yeah. calls in, right? Yeah, like and it's just like he oh my god, please seriously. don't. He it, takes it a little so too seriously. it's it's very much like that's a character, that's no. a real character. So yeah, and like I, I and and. I, I think that he's even like there's even a little bit of he gets a tiny bit of depth like there's another layer to his character because when he gets run off the road by the critters Mm -hmm. he thinks that it's a dog and he goes to shoot it yeah he pulls out a gun and he tries to find the dog so he can shoot it and it's like oh I don't feel so bad for him now like at first I was just like oh he's getting turned down and then you see that level where it's like you can see maybe what Lin Shay sees in him that she doesn't want to have any part of Mm -hmm. and that's all we get we get those I loved that moment the eyes in the window yeah the two character beats right there that kind of you know, establish and justify his death, and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. Nine, like ninety seconds of screen time. It's great. It's like re- it's pretty good writing. It's tropey, but it's good. Yeah, and then um, 
Uh, here's another line I'm just going through as we're going through this. This was one I love. After after the teenagers are in, they they leave, and by leaving, they drive to the barn. Yes. And they park the car behind yep. the barn, and of course, the little brother sees them. Oh, yeah, Brad sees them and the he's window. And you see him getting some fireworks, and, you know, again, good writing we know why he has the fireworks on him because they're going to save him later. Why mm-hmm. does he have them on them? He has them. He has the fireworks on him because obviously he's going to go and blow up his sister while she's screwing around in the barn. Yeah. What else would you do if you're a little boy and your yeah. teenage sister's Duh. getting it on with what, a boy in the barn? What else do you do if you don't have Nintendo? Right. Come you're going to go and you're going to try and, you know, get him with firecrackers. Except that his are really dangerous and I wonder, like, he probably could burn it down the whole barn oh, yeah. and yeah, dismembered definitely. his sister. Yeah, sure. Mid-coitus. I mean, Billy Zane is doomed any way you slice it. But anyways, though, we know why he has the firecrackers, and they don't have to tell us. They don't tell us anything. We just see him look out the mm-hmm. window, see his sister go in the barn, and mm-hmm. see him pick up the firecrackers, and you're like, yeah, I know what he's going to do. And then we don't question it when he has them later. Anyways, when she's in the barn with him, there's a great line while they're making out, and Billy Zane says, he didn't like me eating his food as a way to get out of like he's scared about yeah. sc- screwing her in the barn yeah. and I'm just like so we're supposed to draw that a connection that he's not going to like you eating his daughter <laughs> like, <laughs> because that's the only place that line goes <laughs> you just walk back into the house like half naked and sweaty like really she's like the best I've ever had <laughs> Uh, but she has this weird quote when the when the alien ship crash lands and they're making out. She says, "The Earth moves." Yeah. And then he says, "Oh, already?" Oh, I thought he said, "Ah, oh, really?" I think he said, "Oh, already," or "Oh, oh, really?" And I I was looking it up and I couldn't find any reference to what that the Earth moves. What is that? Well, if he said, "Oh, already," then does she mean is that like a euphemism for an orgasm? Is it? I mean, I've never heard it. I've but. never heard it either. Is that is that how? <laughs> <laughs> because they're still dressed at this point, and they're just making out, kind of maybe dry humping or something. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't know. I found that really strange because the wording is strange. The Earth moves, and he says, "Oh, already?" or "Oh, really?" And that's it. What a yeah. weird line. Yeah, it is weird. I thought I thought it was a reference to some book, and I started looking it up, and there was some Ernest Hemingway shit that came up, but it was like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't <laughs> it think it was wrong. a book reference. I just thought it was a weird line. Yeah, um, weird line. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, let's. We were talking about the writing. I just want to mention the, the writer, Dominique Muir. Uh, this was his first film that he ever wrote. Really? Um, and unfortunately, he spent most of his career... Actually, the, the next few movies he did, did after this were the English dub scripts for some, some uh, martial arts, like uh, martial arts films, mm-hmm. Asian martial arts films. And then after that, he spent the vast majority of his career writing full moon features under the nom de plume August White. And then he died in 2010 at the age of 48 due to pneumonia. Do you have any any list of the full moons that he worked on? I can pull it up real quick. Dominique Muir uh, wrote, I mean, he wrote a bunch. Uh, I know he did some of the evil bong stuff. Let's see, writer... Uh, starting from most recent, uh, Ginger Dead Man vs. Evil Bong, Unlucky Charms, Devil Dolls, Killer Eye, Halloween Haunt, Evil Bong 3D, Puppet Master, Axis of Evil, uh-huh. Skull Heads, 
Garfield's Pet Force <laughs> and not Full Moon. <laughs> evil Bong 2, King Bong, Dangerous Worry Dolls, Decadent Evil 2, The Haunted Casino, mm-hmm. Broke Sky, which is I don't think is uh, Full Moon, First Evil Bong, Petrified, The Ginger Dead Man, Doll Graveyard, Decadent Evil, uh, Contract Killer, American Hero, huh. Meltdown, The New Legend of Shaolin, Island of Fire, and Critters. That's his I mean, entire That's oeuvre. really weird because the... Like... Like when I'm thinking of the ones that I do know off of off of that list that I've definitely seen, like Ginger Dead Man and the Evil Eye and stuff. Like, I mean, those are they're typical full moon movies, is how I'm gonna sure. put it, right? Yeah. Like, so they they're I don't trash. I don't think they're intended to be good. <laughs> they're they're trash um, in like not even a really fun way. Like, I don't really like the full I, moon movies. I do like the full moon movies. I know, I know um, you do. I do enjoy them. But anyways, uh, I also recognize, though, that they are intentionally bad movies nine times out of ten. Um, and that's not always the case. I think some of them aren't intentionally bad, but I think most of them are intentionally bad. And the writing shows in that. And this is not like that. This is this is a well-done movie. Yeah. So, yeah. And, <laughs> and, I, and I think the writing is okay in this. Yeah. I like I like the writing. I, I mean, it's it's really... It's solid, it's I think. So, it's run-of-the-mill, but it's solid, for yeah. sure. Um, the We just saw the first alien attack, the first creature attack, not including the deputy here, the one where we see him out in the open. We get our first pretty good look at the Krite design, which is phenomenal, I mm-hmm. think. Oh, yeah. Um, I want a Krite plushie, but unfortunately, I don't think there are any produced. I can't find like any merchandise based on critters and all I want is a little fuzzy oh toy God, to put on my fucking shelf is that so hard but I want I want more than a little fuzzy toy like I want it to be full on an animatronic well, well no like I would really like two versions I'd like the round ball version one very clearly inspired by Tribbles from Tribbles, Star yes. Trek right yes. well Tribbles with a healthy dose, dose of methamphetamines maybe <laughs> <laughs> and I love Tribbles and I actually do have a stuffed Tribbles so I could just pretend that's a critter. Nope. Um, but <laughs> not gonna do it. Not without like the eight rows of teeth. But but that's what I'm saying though. Like when they're in ball form, <laughs> when they're in ball form, they look just like very large triples. Yes. Um, but when it's when they get up on their hind legs and you see their mouth open, and that, their little tiny arms. Oh my god, I love it so much. They're kind of they, they are what the Japanese would call kimo kawaii. Kimo kawaii for real. So like uncomfortable but cute. Like yeah. creepy but cute. Yeah. Oh my god, I love them so much. We did see that this in that, in that alien attack against. Oh, this. I'm sorry. This is the hint right here. That shot right there of the lamp and the scissors and all that stuff on the table. That was our hint for this episode in our weekly movie still identification game. Nobody got it. I guess was it was a little, ask. little too uh, obscure. But yeah, the deep the, cuts. The Kreitz knew how and where to cut the power and the telephone lines. They're smarter than you think. They do. They do communicate. They do actually talk. They do communicate, and they have one of the best lines in the movie. That's true. Yes, they do. (laughs) Just the one line, just the one word. Yeah, Yeah. it's coming up. Um, It's so great. And I do. And you mentioned this last night. I love how the parents are really the first ones to see the Christ. Right. There's no bullshit dicking around with kids trying to convince their parents that these things exist. 
D Wallace sees it first in the window and then it fucking attacks dad brutally. Like, mm-hmm. like dad gets bloodied up and that's not the first time dad gets fucked up in this movie. Oh yeah. Fucked up bad. And, and Billy Zane is getting killed right now as yeah. we speak. Uh, and that's the thing about this movie is that we're right now we're about a little bit over 30 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's like we spend 30 minutes developing character. That's yep. what this movie does. We spend 30 minutes building the world. And 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 that's not a small feat in this movie because we're not just building a, you know, if you just want to talk about like the the Kansas area, America world, like like we build that and that's fine. That wouldn't be difficult to do in 30 minutes. But we build a world that has aliens with a bounty hunter system you know and asteroid prisons and all of that at the same time and like the whole culture behind the bounty hunters and the the physicalities like the weight the powers they have which they they only really expound on in the sequels like they they build that up a little bit more even in the sequels where like at a certain point you know uh i think at the end of the second movie we hear that the 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 krites are an endangered species no no it's end of the third movie oh is it end of the third movie yeah damn it and it's and it's stupid Okay, well, whatever. But they they do they do definitely work on lore throughout these. They movies. they do a little bit. Um, oh, this is a great death. Oh, it's the best. It death. is. It is the best. Just wait. It's the just best. Wait. Just wait. <laughs> oh God, it's so cute. The way he eats that firework and just you expect you expect the explosion. You expect him to blow up into bits, and he just kind of goes. And smoke and comes out of his mouth. And then he falls over. And he just falls. And they, that's that's all they do is like, oh, they'll hold they'll hold the puppet up with the string and then just drop the string and, and it just rolls over. It's so it's amazing. It's so wonderful. It's the best. It's the best because you really are expecting. You're like, oh, we're gonna get a big explosion of the and and that would be fine. Mm-hmm. I would like an explosion of a critter. And I think we do have them explode a few times when they get shot and stuff. Yeah. Um. But that's so much more, be- so if, much more better, you, so much better. Is, I mean, that is that is about. I mean, that is as good as the critter deaths go in this movie. Uh, but if you really want the critter deaths uh, amped up or ramped up, I guess uh, watch the sequel. The watch sequel, Critters yeah. Two. The the human deaths take a take a step back, kind of take a uh-huh. you know a, a backseat to the critter deaths, and, which are so and much it better. Is just. It is like everything that the second movie lacks in terms of story and character and all of that, everything that it lacks there, it makes up for in in just there are a lot, lot, lot more critters and they die a lot and in various ways. Um, And isn't that really what you came here to see? So... So, like we've said, the second movie is pretty good too. It's it's not as good in terms of writing, um, like the story just isn't as good. The character development is it's just not there the way it is here, um, and it does feel a little loose. It's a holiday movie. It's an Easter movie. It is an Easter movie. Not not too many of those that don't star you know the big JC. Yeah, it's an Easter movie. Um, so that's that's interesting too, but. The thing about it that's for the win. I mean, there's a giant critter ball. Before he goes away, I just I want to say how much I love the fact that this bounty hunter who who didn't have anything to transform into. He kept saying nothing. He was saying nothing likes likes me, which is the shape shifting equivalent to I have nothing to wear. Until he sees the dead deputy and he transforms into the dead version of the deputy. So he just looks like a fucking zombie. And now he's yeah, it's great. 
Now he's transforming again and making uh, poor <laughs> no, Montrose Hagens. Montrose Hagens is a great character actress who uh, plays the organist in this movie, has a couple of lines. You might uh, recognize her as, I think she played the grandmother in the famous Jet Jackson. Okay. Nothing? Okay. No. All right. Moving um, on. Anyways, yeah, we were we were talking about 30 minutes into the movie, you're 30 minutes in, and they spend the first 30 minutes of this movie building not only the world of this Kansas City small town, but Kansas City, this Kansas, Kansas small, small town, town yeah. um, but... But also this sci-fi world that's that's out there and that invades this town. So they spend 30 minutes doing that, and then they just get right to it. And in any other movie like this, in any other movie, mm-hmm. we would have had all of this, you know dicking around where the parents wouldn't have believed the little kid and maybe maybe the sister would have seen it first and then they both would have tried sure. to tell the parents sure. and then they still wouldn't have believed him and then finally at the end like they would believe him whatever right like he probably would have been grounded I mean, this movie again is brisk it can keep itself going and like one of the things I really like about this movie and we just saw a good example of it is the bounty hunter storyline I feel like you know every time we come back to the family they're either in a state of recovery or being attacked, mm-hmm. right? They're either recovering from an attack or being attacked, and sometimes both in the same scene. And then we cut away to see what the bounty hunters are up to. And I think the bounty hunter storyline really effectively breaks up that narrative and kind of gives us something else to do for a little while. And then we come back to the family, and it gives this movie an, a really incredible sense of pace. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie is always moving. It's short as it is, it's less than 90 minutes. It's like 85 minutes or something like that. Yeah. It's brisk, easy to watch. I mean, perfect runtime. Um, there's not a whole lot of, and we, you know, we're bringing it up as, as it goes, but there's just not a lot that I don't like about this movie. Um, aside from, yeah, I'm nitpicky with it. The, the, the stuff that we'll talk about when we get to it. Um, I'm nitpicky with, I do love dad's bowling shirt. That's a bowling shirt. You mentioned that you, you hated the fact that he asks his wife if she washed his bowling shirt. You want to tell him to fuck off. I want to say, can I have your bowling shirt? Because it's, uh, it says, his bowling team is apparently called Pinbusters, and it's a Ghostbusters-inspired image with a, a bowling pin that looks like the ghost in the logo with the circle slash through it and everything. It's it's pretty great. Um, time to talk about one of the things that I think is weird in this movie. Okay. Are you ready for it? No. Nope. Yes. The time that people do things that's supposed to be normal in this oh, movie. Oh, we just got a really good look at a critter and oh, they're, they're wonderful. They are wonderful. I love them so much. I mean, go ahead. Sorry. And I love them when they roll too. I think it's so cute when they roll too. I, th- I, th- I don't want to... I don't have anything to substantiate this other than just, you know, what it looks like, but I feel like maybe the critter's inspired Sonic the Hedgehog a little bit. <laughs> maybe? I don't know. We could be hopeful. Look at it. Look at it rolling. It's so adorable when it rolls. Or maybe real hedgehogs inspired critters, and then in turn, the critters inspired Sonic the Hedgehog with the roll. I, I like how they're different sizes. I like how some of them are bigger because they've eaten more already. Yeah, that one little one busting through the fence was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> look at this. Dad's getting fucked up again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Half of gets... this movie is Dad getting fucked up so bad. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then, and then here, I don't know why she hesitates to hit him. This is something we do have to mention. One thing about this movie, and it's the whole series, and I think finally in one of the series, one of the movies, they get it right. It actually might be in three. Um, but, uh, but the the one thing about this is 
I always wonder why they don't just kick them. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my instinct. When, when I see a little creature like that that is approaching me threateningly with its mouth open, screaming, growling, snarling, and if it's that size and that shape and that f- fluffiness, mm-hmm. I'm going to kick it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get kicked. Not to say that I kick small dogs that approach me, but if it looks like a critter... It's, right. If it's, I if I kicked. already know if I already know that this animal you know uh, is lethal and is trying to kill me um, because maybe I've already been seriously injured by this animal as Dad has. Yeah, at that point you start kicking. You kick it, and I think it's in the third movie where someone finally kicks one of the critters, and it does exactly what you think would happen, and it flies away and hits a wall or something, and and drops dead. And you're just like, yeah, that's um, that's all you had to do, guys. You just kick it. <laughs> um, but oh no, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> the best line. In case you're not watching the movie, uh. The, one of the critters says they have weapons and the other says so what and D. Wallace comes out the front door with a shotgun and blows one away and the other goes fuck <laughs> it's, <wonderful. laughs> it's just subtitled it's just them going rah, rah, rah. and somebody I guess it was the writer somebody working on the movie I, I, I have the note in here somewhere actually let me jump to it and see if I can find his name real quick uh, Corey Burton who voices the critters came up with their language which he described in interviews as combining elements of French and Japanese what? which I don't hear at all. <laughs> I just hear rah, 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 rah. <laughs> that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm not let's, paying close enough attention. Let's be real let's, here. You know, let's, uh... Um okay, so so back to my actual Oh also Gizmo never said the word fuck, so critters wins automatically. Oh by true. default. Um okay. So so back to what, what my problem is with this movie. Um and it's not my problem with this movie, but this is a nitpicky detail that drives me crazy every time I watch this. It, this little town, what is up with people in this little town um, that presumably you would assume this is the kind of place where, you know, stuff isn't open on Sunday sure. and and everything closes at about six or seven o'clock, sure. right? Like you'll have the one diner that stays up until midnight maybe. Right, but, but it's because it's got a gas station attached yeah, to it and truckers right. come through and yeah, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is the kind of place that everything closes. It's a little town. And instead, we also know, here's the other thing we know, it is warm outside, and this is, it was shot in Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. Looks like Kansas, so we can assume it's Kansas. I Mm -hmm. think that's a safe bet. Um, It is warm outside. Kansas has has the same kind of seasons that we have here in Tennessee. um, Similar, Similar, at least. this, This has to be summer or, or early fall or late spring. Just by the way they're dressed, that has to be what time of the year it is. And and so that means that when they're bowling, they keep talking about this bowling tournament that, that they're going to. And we're at it right now. We're watching the father miss the bowling tournament. The bounty hunters are here instead. Um, it wouldn't be dark in this town till at this time of year. Probably eight o'clock's a good guess. Sure. At the time of year, it could be later than mm-hmm. that when it gets dark. Maybe a little earlier, but probably a good guess at eight o'clock. They had dinner at the house when it was already dark out. It was already dark outside, so we assume that's eight o'clock. Then mom had time to do the dishes, lounge around, watch TV while dad was in the bedroom. 
Um, then dad has time to go search for the critters in the field Mm -hmm. and then come back. And all of that happens before she even mentions, or maybe she mentions after dinner, but even mentions them getting ready to go to the tournament. Right. Okay. This tournament. Which is happening right now. Right. This tournament starts at, I'm guessing 10 o'clock at night, 11, 11, maybe (laughs) midnight. Um, and, and if that wasn't weird enough, if that wasn't weird enough, then we saw a church service happening. Yeah, what day of the week is this? I don't know, but it's it's a weekday. It's got to be a weekday. Because so. the kids went to school. So, I mean, like, the only thing I can think is Wednesday service? And for it to be this weather outside and the kids to be in school, it has to be, like I said, late spall, late spring or early fall. Right. Those are the only options. But you were right when you said you have to nitpick in order to <laughs> I know but it makes me so crazy every time that we talked about the pacing being good in this movie and yeah. I think it is really good pacing but I think that detail about it always makes I mean, me confused the only thing that the only thing that they would have to change is make them eat dinner while it's daylight out I think the, yes I think the only thing that they wanted to get across is that they're not eating lunch yeah and if you've got daylight out people assume that you're eating lunch. I don't know it's a for you you read that into you read into that okay they're eating dinner now and it's you know it's got to be eight o'clock at night and they're going to this thing and they're sitting around and you just see the time like wasting away you know just the time passing by and i don't i don't think of it that way i think that they're probably you know it's a it's a directorial choice it's it's the director saying okay we have to convey cinematically that this is dinner how do we do that but it's also it's that i think the one that kills me is that mom has time to sit down and watch she has time to do all the dishes and then sit down and watch tv and she looks very relaxed and casual and for what well i guess we we haven't said it yet well i mean we can say it now why what is the purpose of her watching tv if she's not and they have she hasn't met him yet if she's not going to recognize johnny, johnny Steele, which right. is another problem that we have with this movie is that the movie spends so much time and so much and it's not that it's a long movie but a good chunk of like you know runtime real estate mm-hmm. conveying to us that johnny Steele is famous right and no one They play that song so many times in this movie. No one fucking recognizes him. The first except Brad. The first person to recognize him is Brad. And we never saw Brad see Johnny Steele. We saw him hear the song Power of the Night. Right. But we've never seen him see Johnny Steele on TV. And and the thing about it also is I'm gonna be honest, I don't think Brad would be listening to Johnny Steele and care what he looks like. Now April, the teenage That's a daughter. Really good point. The teenage daughter, she's gonna know what Johnny Steele looks like. Yeah, and she. Oh, I mean, I assume. Yeah. Maybe not. No, I think but you're right. But for the character we have developed here, I'm going to assume. Just look at her earrings and stuff. I'm going to assume that this girl likes popular music. Yeah. Because that's an easy assumption. I mean, Brad likes popular music, but he likes the Police and Bruce Springsteen. Right. We saw the posters on his wall. Right. He doesn't like Johnny Steele. No. He likes like classic rock he doesn't like hair metal <laughs> he would not know what johnny Steele looked like she would know the daughter I mean, would he know might, he might know maybe maybe but the teenage daughter would definitely know and the mom would maybe also know i could see the mom maybe also knowing and once and i thought that's what we were setting up when we saw her watching him on tv and you're like oh okay so we know the teenage daughter likes johnny Steele, but the mom's gonna she's sure. gonna have a little crush too uh, and neither of them recognize him speaking of johnny Steele and the and the the bounty hunters another thing that's kind of weird to me is that they're 
they're so concerned with like transforming into humans so that they look like humans, but I don't really understand what the point of shape shifting into a human is if you're not going to dress and act like, like one. a human. If you're not going to dress and act any differently, then what's the point? I mean, because they still act like weirdo aliens. No, and they I mean, still I, look I, like I get what you're saying. Weirdo but aliens. I think they're just doing like the minimum amount of it, effort it, required it, it, to there, blend there, in. There is like a weird kind of wasted opportunity here as well with you know this bounty hunter who dresses weird and like an alien transform Look at that critter getting <laughs> melted trans- transforming into a rock star where if someone sees a rock star wearing th- weird things out in public they don't think anything of it because they're a rock star you know true so they don't play with that at all i don't know that's that just feels like a missed opportunity not to um, not to say you know not to talk about things the movie didn't do but Let's talk about the fact that this movie is more satisfying in terms of the cover of Ghoulies than Ghoulies is. Oh my god, I feel like it's a it's a slap in the face. Like I feel like it's a Did direct... this come af- out after Ghoulies? Yes, I believe it did. Yes. Maybe it is a slap in the face. Do you remember Pooplings, the cover of Ghoulies? Because it was in my mind as a child. It was one of those covers. This did come out after Ghoulies. This came, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was one of those covers that Ghoulies every was, time Ghoulies I was saw 84. it. Ghoulies was 84. This is 86. Every time I saw the cover of Ghoulies at the video store, I'd stop and like look at it or pick it up. Yeah. And Because if you recall, it's the cover that has them coming out of the toilet. Yes. It's three of them, right? Two, I think. Two, two, two or two or three and and they're and they're like lifting up the lid and they look awful and and horrible and you're thinking oh my god what if that you know was there when i was on the toilet and right and it's like this potty humor mixed with horror like the perfect thing for a kid it is designed to catch a kid's attention Mm -hmm. right and of course it's an incredibly disappointing movie for many reasons, but the number one reason is because yeah. no ghoulie gets inside any toilet ever. Or comes out of one. There's no nope. toilets involved at all. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's a lie. But in this movie... But in this movie, one of the critters catches fire and rolls <laughs> into the toilet. And then comes out later. And then comes out later. So, Ghoulies writes a check that Critters is forced to cash... True. Making Critters the superior film. Well, I mean, it's superior for many reasons. Um, it, yes. But one of those reasons is that it it gives you... it Like, if you don't have a better reason to watch Critters than just us telling you that you really should, then remember that cover from Ghoulies that I know you saw in the video store as a kid. And remember that cover and remember how disappointed you were when you watched Ghoulies and there were no creatures coming out of the toilet. And then you just watch this movie and you will be satisfied and your life will be complete. Um, we didn't mention this, but I wanted to because um, Dee Wallace has a real awesome freak out scene where she says to Brad, why don't you go check the windows? And he says, I already did. And she says, we'll check them again. <laughs> <laughs> and she starts losing it. And it's a, it's a, I don't know, like it feels a little bit out of place, but she's so good. I don't know. That's, that's what one might call an Oscar clip. <laughs> so... So here is a moment that here's another thing I don't like. We've I think this may be the last one that I don't like in this movie. The last actual thing I have to to talk about not really liking. We'll see if there's another one. Um, but kind of like a big I don't like this one mm-hmm. is is 
the way that sister kind of gets shit on in this movie she she's we subvert the trope of of sex um with the sister being the one who wants to have sex yes and the boyfriend being kind of nervous and not right. really wanting to so we subvert that and that's great but it's not enough to hold up what happens afterwards unfortunately it's the only characterization she actually gets it is the only characterization she gets and this right here really does a lot to her character um negatively just by what's happening with the brother here and what this is is that She's older than him, I guess, by at least three or four years. I think she's probably about the same distance in age as me and my brother are. Would you say that's about right? Yeah, probably. Um, and I cannot, I cannot envision a situation where something like this was happening and there was some dangerous thing that needed to be done. In this case, it's that the parents are incapacitated and the oh, little... they're, they're beyond... In- I love how beleaguered the family looks. Oh, they yeah. are in a bad way and it's I mean they Yeah. I and, buy it. And and the only option right now is that the boy is gonna go and he's going to take his bicycle and go to get help. Yes. But the sister is fine. She has not been injured. Right. She is fine. If she does have any injuries, they're they're minor, but She's I don't think older. she has any. She's and she stronger. is like four years older than him. Yeah. And I cannot envision a situation in which something bad was happening like this and something dangerous needed to be done to save the family. And my parents would say that my brother should go and set instead of me or insinuate that they should, that he should or allow him to, I don't think they would have allowed him to go instead of me. Um, just solely for the fact that I was older, I was the older sibling. And of course, why does the little boy go? Because he's a boy. Right. I mean, it's a, it's just, there is no other reason. It's just this little hint of, sexism that we see brought out in children and children characters where it's for, for no other reason than he is a little boy is he sent off to do this thing and it's it doesn't and it's subtle sexism it's subtle i mean we see the sister you know we see her fight back against the critters and kind of protect her parents a bit yeah um so it's not like she's incapable oh my okay. god i love this all right so this is the kind of horseplay that I can deal with. You know, the, the, there's a comparable scene in, and he's talking to the E.T. doll right now and saying, who are you? Where are you from? And if I, I'm sorry, Critters, if you're trying to take on Steven Spielberg's movie E.T. with this little bit, I've got news for you. <laughs> he rips off E.T.'s there, head. There is a better film of the two, and I'm afraid as much as I like you, Critters. I'm sorry you're not it. I don't think they're trying to say they're a better movie. No, but I do feel like this movie in more ways than one, is kind of an open challenge to the the mini monster movies mm. of the 1980s, and it stomps on them all. Like, yeah. it really does. Um, but, you know, that, that scene of horseplay where they're fucking around and they're tearing the pillows and they're eating the goldfish out of the tank, and uh, I can deal with that. They're, the comparable scene in Gremlins that we've already talked about is unbearable. <laughs> it is unbearable. I don't think it's unbearable, but I think it is... A little much tonally so I get what you're saying and it's not even that it's it's much it's just it doesn't make sense but I mean all of the gremlins movies do that so so this is the scene where Brad catches up with the bounty hunters in the police car and he recognizes 
Johnny Steele. He recognizes oh, the the uh, the bounty hunter's name is Ugg. Yeah. So I guess he escaped from Camp Onawana to hunt aliens. Never mind. Um, so he does. Someone does finally recognize. No, I get Johnny it. Steele. I just don't care. You never laugh at my jokes anymore. I mean, I laugh at some of them. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, so someone does finally recognize Johnny Steele, and I think that there's, I think he's the only one in the entire movie who does. Is that right? Yeah. The Brad. Yeah. Yeah. He's the only one who recognizes Johnny Steele. That's such a problem. But I've, I, I said that already. But do you see this? Th- these characters are improvising weapons, right? And it's not that they don't have weapons already. And D. Wallace is fucking <laughs> going for it. God, I love this person. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, anyways, going back to what I was talking about, you know, it's, I cannot envision a situation. Okay. So if you and your brother, you're both boys, there would be no question. Oh, are, we, are we going right? back to the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The older, the older brother would go. There would be no question. The, the bigger, stronger, more capable. Had, had time to learn more. So thus smarter. Yes. I'm not saying right. that our bigger, brothers are less intelligent bigger, than us, God, but D D Wallace is a fucking badass. Look at her just walking down the hall with this shotgun fucking shit up. It's amazing. And the, and I was saying they have improvised weapons, which at this point, if you're in a horror movie, like against monsters or some kind of creature or some kind of assailant of any kind, and you don't improvise weapons, if you don't have another choice, I get frustrated. We watched fucking Hush the other night. Yeah, we did. And it drove me crazy that she, I mean, I mean, you're talking about a character who sets horror movie heroines back 30 fucking years. <laughs> I swear to God, she, she oh my God, she I drove me I don't think cra- it was that bad. We we don't need to have this whole we conversation. We don't have to have the hush we, conversation. We don't but need I to have the whole conversation. I did not care for that movie. I didn't hate it. Um, there were things about it that I liked, actually. I thought some of it was cool. Uh, but no, I agree. I was very frustrated. There were a couple moments in particular where there was absolutely no reason that she shouldn't um, just finish it, just end the movie, sure. and it didn't happen repeatedly. So Right, but I mean, you look at this movie from 1986, and you've got fucking D. Wallace. <laughs> and look at her. Like, look at her. She's acting. She is fucking acting in this movie. Like, for real. Okay, here's another moment right here. I cannot imagine a situation in which the parents could be could be made to stay in the car when their child went back into the house. Can't imagine that. It's not that the parents are being made. It's that the father is holding the mother. The father wants Brad to go. He, he wants him to go to ahead go and go. To go get the cat? I... I, I, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> Look. Oh, and this is the scene where the, the critter comes out of the, the toilet or toilet. it's trying to escape. We, we, it lifted up the lid, though. It's we trying did. to escape down the drain and Ugg blows it away with his blows huge... Blows the whole toilet up. Huge cannon. Oh, that's great. It looked like a penis right then. Oh, oh did it? Is, right is, is, do you think that was intentional? you think that was a, a phallic symbol right there, the gun? I mean, it usually is. Um... But yeah, anyway, so uh, we're coming up pretty close to the end of this movie, uh, and I've got a little bit of trivia. I want to talk about the director, Stephen Herrick. Oh, I like it when the critters say, let's roll. 
Oh, yeah, that's cute. It's <laughs> literally roll. Okay, Stephen Herrick, this was his first film, just like screenwriter Dominic Muir. Um, and he went on to direct such films as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, The Three Musketeers, the, the Disney version, uh, mm-hmm. live-action Disney version, Mr. Holland's Opus. So those are not 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 bad films. I think the worst of those are is probably... Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, probably. I still like that movie. And then, there's a, I think he did the 101 Dalmatians live-action remake. And then you can see the point in which his career kind of started to decline. He made Holy Man, starring Eddie Murphy. Rockstar, starring Mark Wahlberg. And Life or Something Like It, a.k.a. Angelina Jolie looks weird as a blonde. Let's not do that again, the movie. Yeah, I don't know any of those movies, so... Um, do you have anything to say about the music? About the music? Um, I didn't do any research on it. I have that to say about it. You know why? It. Because it's unremarkable. That's why. Yeah. This is actually David Newman is the composer on this. This is his first feature film as well, although he did score Tim Burton's Frankenweenie short. Hmm. Uh, but he has... Oh, from when? The short the from back in the... The old one? The old black and white. Oh my God, I loved that as a child. Yeah. Frankenweenie's great. I loved that as a child H- Have so you seen the, the, the movie? The new one? No. It's, it's pretty good. Um, he's worked pretty consistently through the years, making serviceable, if forgettable, and how to- they make that kitty so angry. And to- I don't know, and and totally unoffensive scores for films. He did both Bill and Ted movies. Uh, he did Little Monsters. He did The Mighty Ducks. He did Coneheads, The Flintstones, The Nutty Professor, The Phantom, Jingle All the Way, Operation Dumbo Drop, Galaxy Quest. Tons of stuff, like tons of stuff that you. I mean, go to his IMDb page. Look at his body of work and you'll go, wow, I don't remember the music from any of these fucking movies. (laughs) I don't remember it being good or bad or there. Like, that's the music that he makes. I think his standout work is probably the score for Serenity because he did do that. And I remember liking that music Uh quite a bit. I do, too. Um, But yeah, David Newman, composer for, for Critters and a shit ton of other movies that you don't remember the movies or the music from. Well, then he's the kind of composer who who does just like standard. It's just like we need a movie score that just sounds like movie score. Stalwart. He's just yeah. He's dependable and he's there and he will make sure your movie has music. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. No, this was the kind of movie where I didn't notice it at all for better or worse. Yeah, that, but um, that's just the kind of music that he makes. So Brad went back in to get Chewy the Cat, which is the appropriate decision if your kitty is Look at, look at Dee Wallace. House. Look at this. Look at her performance. She is so committed. I know. I love She's her. She's fantastic. I, 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 I love Dee Wallace. That's okay. It's fine. Laura Dern and Dee Wallace. That, that's all I need. That's fine. Every movie, Laura Dern, Dee Wallace. Throw me a Jodie Foster every once in a while. I'm good. Anyway, so um, so Brad goes back in to get Chewy because appropriate to return for your cat. Um, and when he goes, he is confronted by giant critter, which is awesome. Um, and it gets blown away. But then his sister has been taken, so he goes to get his sister. He goes to rescue sister. And that's where we are in this movie. Um, I did want to mention one letdown I had with this movie. I've already mentioned a bunch of letdowns, but uh, this is a not-so-serious letdown. The letdown letdown is um, if this is a movie that features bowling prominently... 
We've repeatedly referenced it. And this is a movie with rotund ball-shaped rolling creatures don't you immediately think that there's definitely going to be a scene where the critters get rolled into bowling pins missed opportunity right straight up missed opportunity wow it doesn't happen that's amazing i feel like going back to the missed opportunity I, i mentioned before with johnny Steele being recognized as a rock star because he's wearing alien clothes and he looks like a rock star and that just kind of makes sense but then no one recognizes him I feel like that gets kind of ruined because he has a partner and I think they Mm. probably gave him a partner so that he would have someone to talk to and I don't know that that's really necessary Necessary? yeah I don't think so either so I I think the partner was probably written in um, as just a way for him to communicate with somebody and it kind of shows with like the I can't find a thing to transform into and all of that and you're just like but it never really matters what he transforms into like it wounds up being townspeople and people thanks to that character we get boobs in the second movie we do get boobs in the second movie in the second movie and let's let's talk about the other movies a little bit more before we're at the end here Um, right now Brad is sneaking into the critter ship to save his sister why do they take the sister I don't know. in the first place? That's know. something I don't understand. I guess to eat later? Maybe, I, I guess. Cause they Snack ki- for the ride home? They just kill everybody. Like, we don't really know their motivations other than their little shits. Um, they like to eat. They like they to like eat. They like food. They eat everything. Okay. And so we, we see them, you know, enacting those character traits by eating whatever it is that they come across. People, uh-huh. mostly, and fish, and little stuffed animals, and pillows, and whatever. Um, but then they take her away to the ship without eating her they didn't eat um the cop i think they ate part of him i think they i think they ate (laughs) enough of him well there was enough of him left for dude to transform into him they got their fill yeah and now we've got the giant critter that we never get a really good we don't get a really good look and i want a good look at at the giant critter i want to see it for real and I'm kind of disappointed that I don't get to um okay so talking about the other movies a little bit more um we've said the second one is the Easter one and and it's fantastic oh, the second one is the Easter one yeah oh it's not this one what no I guess this is oh, okay I'm sorry I'm what I, I'm sorry continue Okay. I, don't linger on it. No. I, uh, okay. I thought you were talking about this one. I thought there was some mention of Easter in this. It is the no, sequel. It's the sequel. Yes. There's a big Easter egg hunt. That's and right. And a right. bunny rabbit That's suit. right. And the, the sheriff dies. The in, new sheriff in dies the bunny in rabbit. the bunny suit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Great scene. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a ridiculous movie. It's fantastic because there's a giant critter ball at the end where they all like meld together and they yes. make one giant critter. It's and pretty great. It's really awesome. I mean, it's, it's not a good movie, but it's not, but certainly it's, not, it's, it's fun. It verges on the bad good, but a little more not bad and a, a little more like passable movie. But then when it is bad, it's bad good. So, yeah. um, and one of the cool storylines that happens uh, in that movie is that Charlie who he's gonna we're gonna see him at the end of this movie kind of walk away with the bounty hunters and in the second movie I we're just, gonna find out I'm sorry I just want to mention the, the critters are about to to, uh, to enact their final fuck you to the family yeah, before they great. escape because they're, they're in the ship and it's just like and, and fuck, fuck your you. house <laughs> <laughs> and they blow up their house totally blow because up their house because they're jerks awesome. um, no yeah, other look reason. at them they're just, they're just laughing <laughs> just laughing about it 
great. And of course, uh, alcoholism saves the day. Yes. Um, because Charlie, Charlie had, had a, a, a bottle, bottle of yeah, whatever. That he made a, a bomb out of, made a little Molotov cocktail out of. And right, and he throws it in and that ignites Brad's firecracker right. which explodes the ship yes. which man that is a shitty ship if it's going to be exploded right. by so like the male child's the, firecracker the men's faults in this movie end up being useful right yes but the female's faults in this movie are there any are there any female faults in this I movie i don't know if there really are a lot though okay or any um but in other movies yes i sure, know what you're saying sure. okay so so anyways, at the end of this movie, Charlie's about to walk off with the bounty hunters. And then it's really cool because in the second movie, Charlie comes back. Brad comes back, too, in the second movie. It's Brad and Charlie in the second movie. Um, and then by the third movie, the only character that is the same is Charlie. And he's also in the fourth movie, too. Um, but in in the second movie, Charlie comes back. And like you were saying, in this movie, I don't really care about his character. Brad like, comes back, too. Yes, I, I already said oh, okay, that. I'm sorry. Wasn't paying um, attention. I know. Um, Charlie, you were saying you don't really like or care for, not that you don't dislike, but you just don't care in for this, Charlie. In this, in this movie, movie? I, do, you, you, I grow to like him over the movies. Over the other yeah. movies. And the reason being, primarily for me, is that in the second movie, he goes to outer space he and he becomes a bounty, a bounty hunter. hunter. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's exactly what yeah, you do. Yeah. You're, you're the town alcoholic who no one believes because you believe in aliens and you meet some, yeah, you leave with them. Yeah, you exactly. just leave he, with them. It, and it's, he does. It's, it's like, it's the sequel that we want to have to uh, to Close Encounters of the Third Kind where we see what the fuck Richard Dreyfus does with the aliens when he leaves with right. them. Right, yeah. And in this case, he becomes a bounty hunter. Yes. <laughs> and, and he kind of sucks at it, but he's okay. Yeah. And, like, it's fun. They've got characterization. Again, they've got relationships. Chewie made it out Chewie alive survived. somehow. So, again, um, movie points for this movie. Saved the cat. There's a, there's a shot here coming up where the house starts getting put back together and the cat gets blown toward the house or mm-hmm. blown away. It gets sucked toward the house. And I don't know how they made the cat do that. Oh. Oh, the scene that's about to happen? Yeah. So huh. the, the, all the house like being reconstructed stuff. I don't really like this. I think it's kind of a... I think it's kind of cheap. Yeah, I think so. I think it's too. kind of a gyp. Story, story wise, it looks story good. wise. Yeah, it yeah. looks very good. I mean, it's it's a it's a really yeah. This right here where they're blowing how the cat did away. They do I don't that know how to they the did kitty. That. I guess they. It's a good shot, but it's I, I kind of feel bad for the cat, wondering how they made that happen. I mean, all of the house coming back together is just reverse footage, mm-hmm. but it looks good. Like it I think does it, look good. I think it actually looks fine. Um, you can tell it's reverse shots, but. But it looks good. I don't know, I think so it looks no, good. that's not cheap. It's cheap storytelling Story wise, wise yeah. is what you mean. Um, it's cheap in the sense of I want to see them have to deal with the fact that their house is destroyed yeah, and see that them, these critters have screwed yeah. up their lives. Well, it's, um, it's. I mean, it's. It's also kind of a them building their house back together is kind of a metaphor for them coming back together as a family, right? You know, and if they don't have to do that, I. You know, it's Chewie's in the mailbox. <laughs> Cat in the mailbox. <laughs> um, but the house reconstruction is a little reminiscent of the poltergeist house, I think, being destroyed. But the, I mean, the effect is totally different. But it just kind of reminds me of that. And also, at this point, people are going to jail. There is a dead cop. <sighs> Oh, yes. People. Someone has to answer for the death. People shot up the church, shot up the bowling alley. Um, and 
I think if the house had stayed destroyed, there would have been more evidence to be like, look, something yep. crazy happened. I do want to mention the thing that this movie was based on is an, uh, something you may have heard of if you're into like UFO alien shit. The Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. Have you heard of this? No. On the evening of August 21st, 1955, five adults and seven children arrived at the Hopkinsville, Kentucky police station claiming that the, that small alien creatures from a spaceship were attacking their farmhouse and they had been holding them off with gunfire for nearly four hours. Two of the adults... Uh, uh, Elmer Sutton and Billy Ray Taylor, who apparently were like carnies. <laughs> they were carnies that were like on break or just hanging out. Okay. Um, they claimed that they had been shooting at 12 to 15 short, dark figures who repeatedly popped up at the doorway or peered into the windows. This event inspired Dominic Muir and Stephen Herrick to write Critters. And Critters has been criticized or criticized. <laughs> Uh, brought jokes today, as you can uh, see, for, for of course for trying to uh, ride on the coattails of Gremlins' success. But Herrick has insisted that Critters was written months before Gremlins started production, and he and Muir intentionally rewrote portions of this movie uh, to remove some of the coincidental similarities between the two movies. I believe that. I believe it. Uh, the gremlins in Gremlins are actually modeled more after the reported descriptions of the Kelly Hopkinsville creatures you mean, than, than these are. The, oh, grem okay. the gremlins in Gremlins are, are more modeled after those creatures that were reported than these, because these are just like little hedgehog dudes. <laughs> but that's it. That, I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. Thanks for doing that research, because um, I didn't do that. You heard it here first. Maybe not first, but you heard it here also that Critters is better than Gremlins. If nothing else, I, I, it is definitely a good movie that doesn't get any recognition at all. Sure, a good, if if flawed, you know, not, yeah, but not perfect, I mean, but totally enjoyable, wonderfully paced, lots of good effects, good jokes, good characters, good performances. I mean, it's it's awesome a, creatures. Yeah, it's a good movie. Come on, just deal with it. Okay, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up. Are we going to give it two? Let's give it two thumbs up. We did it. There it is. Um, <laughs> I would give it more thumbs than that. We, we only have so many thumbs. Let's not waste them. Um, anyways, uh, so you should watch this one, and you should then watch the sequel, too. And then you can skip number three, even though it's Leonardo DiCaprio's debut even, film. Even though it stars uh, Academy Award winner Leonardo DiCaprio. It is so bad. It's really fucking it's bad. It's not fun bad either. It's the it's 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 when the series finally actually started copying Gremlins, and Ugh. it's and, terrible. And it's just slow and stupid and not fun and awful, and I really hate it. Um, but then four yeah. power kinda... of <laughs> power of the night was actually performed by Terrence Mann, the guy who played uh, Johnny Steele slash Ugg. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and but then four kind of comes back. So if you watch the series and you get to three and you're just like, oh my god, I can't do this anymore. Why would obviously it's going to get worse? No, it actually doesn't. Hold on, and go to four. Four is not good, but it's not terrible. And they and, they really commit to the sci-fi. Oh thing. yeah, it is it's, a straight up in space sci-fi. It's, it's, it's an alien ripoff kind mm -hmm. of. It's like an alien clone. Um, and Angela Bassett's in it, and Brad Dourif's in it, and you can't really go wrong I mean and it's, and it's the kind of, it's the kind of movie where you're like oh, I'm gonna need a <laughs> I'm gonna need a zoom and enhance on that. can I get a zoom and enhance on that can we zoom and enhance please well, gonna, we're gonna need to magnify by 10 magnify by 10 zoom and enhance please <laughs> it's really it's one of those movies and and that's um that's a plus for me so <laughs> let's get a zoom and enhance on this podcast 
All right. I think we're done. Okay. Uh, anything else to say? Last last thoughts? I think that's it. Wrap us up. That's it for Popcorn Poops. Don't forget to stop by our website at popcornpoops.com. Follow us on Twitter at Popcorn Poops or individually at J. I'm at J. Casper Kramer. And I'm at Dusty Cram Cram. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you want to donate to the show, there's a donate button on the main page of our website. And of course, there's the Popcorn Poops merchandise shop. Um, if you want to help out the show in a different way and get a free audiobook at the same time, go to audibletrial.com slash popcorn poops and sign up for the free trial. And don't forget to jump over to twitch.tv slash the pixel poops, the pixel poops, uh, and follow us and turn on notifications so you'll know when we go live, whenever that is. Every week we feature a friend of the Popcorn Poops podcast. And this week we it are featuring who? The As You Watch podcast. So if you'll stick around after the show for a few words from them, uh, I'm sure they would appreciate that it. That is and, this week's Poo Pal. And we would too. And if you are a podcaster, webcomic artist, YouTuber, any kind of content creator, and you're interested in becoming a Poo Pal and getting shout outs on our podcast and on social media, you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email to contact at popcornpoops.com. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are wrapping up hashtag 1986 month with Howard Deutsch's Pretty in Pink. That's going to be an interesting episode, I think. It's my pick. And uh, do you have any idea what I think about this movie? I know you like it. Do you? Okay. Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, Until next time, (laughs) take care. Bye-bye. We are the Popcorn Poops. Hello, everybody. On behalf of Nick... Joe and Vern, we would like to invite you back for a brand new season of the As You Watch podcast. In our upcoming season, we will be talking about franchises, trilogies, and series of movies that you will recognize and some that you may not. We will also continue to post fun and insightful interviews with many people in the world of entertainment, as well as feature a lot of great guests from other sites and podcasts. So be sure to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podomatic and on Facebook. And don't forget to check out our older episodes on our site, asyouwatch.wordpress.com. <laughs>